Hey friends, Hannah here with the Practically Well podcast, where I will be bringing you amazing holistic guests to educate, inspire, and empower you to live your healthiest, fullest life in a practical way. As an acupuncturist and coach, I believe that the mind and body are deeply connected and that when we can tap into these natural reservoirs within ourselves and heal, anything is possible. So it is my goal to bring you a variety of transformative topics and practices to the table in a simple, digestible way so that you can break down old barriers, seek out new holistic methods, and uplevel your mindset and life so that you can get wherever you want to go. It is all in your hands and I'm here to be your guide. So let's get started. Hey friends, and welcome to another beautiful day on the Practically Well podcast. So today's wellness chat is going to be around functional medicine and nutrition. And I'm so excited to have Muriel Wagner on here to share her expertise with us on these subjects. So she practices functional medicine and works with her clients specifically around a lot of things, but also around nutrition and chronic diseases. And our specialties just have so much overlap. Uh, when we were chatting before this podcast, I felt like we could chat all day. So I'm really excited to have her on here and we're just going to have a great conversation. So let's get started. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Hannah. It's great to be here on the show. Yes, absolutely. So I would love it if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, who you are, what you do, and kind of what led you to this wellness path that you're on now. Great. Yeah, my name is Mireille Wagner, and I'm actually a South African, and I moved away from South Africa about 13 years ago um, because my husband got an opportunity to work in Switzerland. So we've been living here for 13 years, and I was predominantly a mom because I was heavily pregnant when we landed here, <laughs> and then the second one followed. Um, so I was a, a mom, stay-at-home mom for quite a while and wanted to go back was considering to go back to finance and investments, which was my original um, career. Um, but at the time I was supporting a friend who was suffering with stage four breast cancer. And um, we'd had many conversations about what we would wanna do with our lives and whether we could start any businesses uh, different to what we had originally studied. And she was also South African and um, Unfortunately, she didn't make it. And, and while I was supporting her, I was reading so much in nutrition just to try and figure out whether nutrition could heal chronic diseases like cancer. And I really wasn't finding that much information. And I found like one healing story and it, you always wonder whether these things are just miracles, right? It didn't seem to like have a very consistent pattern in any of the information that I was finding. And so I kept looking after she passed away and decided that this is what I was going to do. I'm going to study nutrition. And so I, I started a new career um, around about the age of 40. Yeah. And awesome. uh, did my nutrition coaching certification with precision nutrition. And um, for a while I was just supporting mostly fitness clients with weight loss, etc., and And just felt like this deep need that I wanted to be doing more. I wanted to be helping people that were really suffering. And um, so I kept searching and I found functional medicine and uh, the rest is history because it's been an amazing journey. I've learned so much on, on this journey and in, in the process, I've managed to reverse my own symptoms because I'd been suffering with many skin issues and asthma, 
chronic urticaria hives um, and, mm. and seasonal allergies and all of those symptoms have gone since I've found functional medicine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would love it if you could tell us a little bit for those not in the know about what functional medicine is and how it can help to heal the body and, and just kind of what you do when you work with clients in this way. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and there are more and more people hearing the word functional medicine. And uh, I think the easiest way to explain it is, is that functional medicine believes that they're, the body's a completely wise organism, right? It really knows how to heal itself if it's given the right environment and nutrients, etc. everything that it needs to be able to restore function. Um, but very often, you know, in the modern day, we're lacking a lot of things. And, and this is when we start our way down these paths of um, chronic disease. But it only starts, you don't have a chronic disease overnight. You don't just get diagnosed overnight. It just starts with these symptoms, these niggling symptoms that many people are suppressing with, um, with drugs or any other over-the-counter medications, you know, just to push away a headache or, uh, you know, a little rash and, and using a cream off the counter. So um, functional medicine says that actually we need to be trying to understand where and why the body is responding the way it is, rather than just masking symptoms with medication or supplements or whatever, whatever it might be. And by understanding how somebody has started to develop symptoms, we can begin to unwind that process by giving the body exactly what it needs to restore function. And so I spend a lot of time working with my clients on digestion because um, we know that nutrition is the A and O of, um, <laughs> of mm -hmm. a healthy body, right? <clears throat> many of my clients are eating really nutritious diets and, and eating very clean and they've done elimination diets, but they're still suffering from symptoms. But um, so I do the work on helping them ac actually bring on the nutrients. So that's the problem is, is a lot of them are eating great diets, but they're not bringing on the nutrients and, and getting them into their cells. So what what is the process like when you're working with a client you know in terms of what you're recommending for them or you know what what is it that you do in in a day-to-day -day session yeah well um generally all my clients that begin work with me um need to fill out quite a few forms and the most important well they're all really important forms but I, I find that a timeline this is very typical of functional medicine is trying to assess the timeline of a person right from probably even pre-birth when they were in their mother's womb and the history of their their parents health is also key to understand because it, mm. it does predispose one to certain disease processes for instance like if a person is born cesarean rather than natural birth then they were going to have a compromised microbiome and if they're bottle fed rather than breastfed as well the immune system is going to be you know a little bit on the back foot so identifying all of the key events on a person's timeline is really really um, mm -hmm. useful in trying to understand where something started so like, when did you start experiencing this particular symptom? What was going on for you at that particular time? You know, because those are the clues as well, because we know that whole body health is not only about necessarily what we're putting into our bodies, but where we're putting our bodies in, like what is the environment it's in? It could be a completely stressful home environment or 
um, a relationship or a stressful work environment that could start a disease process as well, right? Mm -hmm. So that timeline gives us quite a lot of information as to where the work might lie. Um, but symptoms are great at helping us also put together the puzzle pieces. So understanding where the symptoms are, sh are showing up will give us a clue as to, you know, which parts of which systems really need um, work. Um, and often we really come back to the gut and digestive system because yeah. it's like, you know, a lot of my clients <laughs> come back with, with immune system issues, like either autoimmune or skin issues, which again comes back to comes back to the gut. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the symptoms are really giving us parts of the puzzle piece. So we're putting together their picture and then their whole history timeline. What medications are they taking? Um, supplements possibly um, also, uh, yeah, what did, they, what did their parents experience? Because there is some kind of genetic component, although it's not everything, it's, it does add some um, information as well as um, any hospitalizations. What is their oral health like? Have they had any major work in their mouth root canals? You know, amalgam fillings. I don't know how you see that from um, the Eastern medicine side, but, but yeah, that's no, there's, a there's a lot to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is from, from your perspective, when there is something going on with oral health, what, what does that mean for you from, from a functional medicine perspective? Yeah. So usually oral health is going to give us clues as to infections because that is the start of our digestive system, right? So mm -hmm. Any infections that might be in the oral microbiome will travel down into our gut microbiome, as well as toxicity. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of people my age um, grew up with having these dark, you know, these metal fillings, these amalgam fillings, which yeah. are heavily burdened with, with metals, right? So especially mercury and that continues to leach into the body. And some people are really sensitive or have compromised detoxification systems that can't release um, mm. enough of the burden, right? Yeah, and that's how yeah. it starts to build up over the years, yeah. Yeah, wow, it's so amazing just how, I feel like the more I learn about the human body just from my own practice and then from you know speaking to people like yourself, it, it just never ceases to amaze me how, <clears throat> how amazing the body is, how much is going on in our bodies at any given time and how capable it is of healing itself if we provide it with the opportunities to do so. Um, so once you have this whole roadmap and you ha have an understanding of where disease is coming from, what actually is going on, what's that next step? When you, ha you have all the information at hand, you know there's no mystery anymore, or you've you know, mm -hmm. figured that out, all the puzzle pieces for the most part where where does a client go from there i often start with the basics so if they haven't already changed their diet then i'm, I'm looking at what they're putting into their mouth every single day right mm. so that's usually how we see the fastest results is to make sure that we're putting in as many good nutrients into the body and taking out whatever also harms the body so um the the, the functional medicine model is based on something called either four R's or five R's. So those four R's are actually remove, removing everything that may be burdening or harming the body, 
whether it is um, food that we're sensitive to, whether it is toxins, whether it is stress, um, all of these sorts of things that could be possibly burdening our bodies and systems. Um, even negative thoughts, for instance, we need to be removing those, right? So the second R would be replacing, replacing everything that the body requires to try and re regenerate. So that includes positive thoughts and emotions, um, you know, connectivity to, to people if that, you know, this has been missing over the corona period but also obviously clearly nutrients from good food and wholesome food, as well as um, an environment that is going to be conducive to healing. So um, yeah, good relationships, social connections, et cetera, are, are important as well as, you know, proper hydration, um, is a key part and one of the ma main foundational principles, really good deep sleep. So we, we go back to all of the foundational principles of what the body needs to, to thrive. And then the other two or three R's, so the third R would be um, repair. So usually we're talking about the gut microbiome and repairing an intestinal lining because usually the intestinal lining has been damaged with time through infections or um, pathogens that have been harboring there, as well as leaky gut issues. So we could talk about leaky gut if you've not heard about that as well. Um, and the fourth R is called re-inoculate, and that's usually adding in pre prebiotics and probiotics for the gut microbiome. And then the fifth R is usually rebalancing and just making sure that all things are in place. And I love those because it's you know, my, this podcast is called Practically Well. And so I feel like that is a very, you know, while there's so much that goes into each person's unique case, it is a really nice, clear structure for how you go about taking these steps to facilitate change. And, you know, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I talk about this with my health coaching clients all the time as well. You know, it's having someone there to be that accountability partner and to be that educator and support while you're making these changes. Cause so often, you know, I know for myself, patient compliance with, you know, what things I'm offering for them to try to, you know, create change in whatever area it is we're working on, you know, having people continue to follow through with those things and facilitate that long-term habit change can be challenging sometimes. And so having the, all the information laid out in front of you and then having someone like yourself be there to show them how to get there, I think is, is incredibly crucial. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What sorts of, what sorts of challenges have you or have clients had to work through, you know, with, with this kind of work? I must say that, um, the longer I work in this area, so my tools, or at least the tools in functional medicine are, it depends because a lot of the functional medicine practitioners come from, from different backgrounds. Some of them come from, um, you know, the health coaching mo modality and they've, they've then specialized a little bit more in the functional medicine approach, but you get, you get doctors that have moved into functional medicine and nurses, etc. But you also get the, the allied practitioners, maybe chiropractors or body workers, or um, maybe even emotional healers and spiritual healers that have moved into this field. But 
what I've found in working with my clients in particular is that I have the tools more of the scientific tools. So I can work with lab results and, and um, functional testing, etc. And And these are great for data, but it doesn't help me when somebody has experienced trauma, for instance. Mm. And I, I don't know about you, Hannah, but in maybe in acupuncture, you can release certain blocks. But mm. if I'm not trained in mm, emotional trauma counseling, etc., or helping somebody move out of, of what we call maybe what the body is stored mm-hmm. in terms of a, a traumatic event, um, then I use I will use my network and pass them on or, or have them work with somebody else that can help them work on that aspect. Because, yeah, as, as I've explained, you know, whole body health is multifaceted. It's not only, sure, I mean, biochemistry in the body is majorly important, but we're learning how thoughts and emotions influence our biochemistry as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd say for, for me, those, those might be the challenges. But mm-hmm. yeah, for every, every particular client, it's different. Um, you know, they, some have, have a really hard time implementing just the, the elimination diet that I recommend. And, and there we might be working for a longer time on, um, on, on <clears> finding, <throat> finding habits that make it easier for them to implement it, right? And alternatives, et cetera. Whereas another might be really reacting to stress and need a little bit more help with the whole idea of organization and um, stress management, for instance, or the perception of stress and where stress is coming from. So it is very individual. Yeah, <laughs> yes. everybody's that. different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so from, you know, from a nutritional standpoint, I know that in our world today, there's, there's so many different diets or practices, or, you know, there's just, I know for, I've had a lot of clients that, you know, don't know where to start in terms of what foods are going to be right for them. Right. Because we all know generally, you know, whole foods, things without additives or extra sugar and preservatives, you know, like we, we have a general idea of what is healthy or what is not. And yet I feel like there's still, can be confusion around what are the best foods for me, because I know, you know, for myself, there are certain foods that are deemed quote unquote healthy, but when I eat them, I don't feel well. And so, you know, I, I work with clients a lot on, you know, when it comes to protein, for example, like, do you need to be eating, does animal protein serve you more or does plant protein serve you more? And so there's, there's, I know there's so many different schools of thought and ways to look at nutrition for what is right for your body specifically. And so I'm curious what your thoughts are around that and how you work with clients to, you know, find what foods are best for them. I know you mentioned the elimination diet um, and I'm you know curious if you could speak to that more or if there's anything else that you do or kind of what school of thought you're in, in terms of nutrition. Yeah, it's a brilliant question because I think so many people are asking that. Like, what should I be eating, right? And you don't know because everybody does respond differently. And I must say that in in the functional medicine arena, 
you know, we use the elimination diet quite extensively because we know that a lot of there there are a list of foods that are quite well known for causing inflammation. So for your listeners who haven't really implemented or, or understand what the elimination diet is, it's taking out the top, say, seven to nine foods that cause a lot of inflammation. The top two are usually gluten and dairy. And the reason being that they're both contain, they both contain proteins that are notoriously difficult for our bodies to digest. Mm. Um, gluten especially, and it's implicated in many uh, autoimmune diseases as well. Also because the protein looks very similar to certain tissues. Um, you might know that Hashimoto's is, I think is the most common autoimmune disease there is. And uh, that's where the body attacks thyroid tissue. And the reason is this um, thyroid tissue actually looks very similar to gluten. So the body's responding to gluten and, and finding gluten and, and creating antibodies to gluten. And if it does this over a longer period, it's, it can begin to mistake the thyroid tissue because it looks so similar to the gluten protein oh. chain. Yeah. Um, so, and dairy then has other complications like, you know, the possibility of hormones and, um, and antibiotics in, in dairy. So, so there are many reasons that we, we take dairy out as well. But, you know, the other foods like soy and um, maize, which are heavily GMO related, and we take those out for a lot of people. But yeah, in general, top seven, I would say, are gluten, dairy, eggs, soy, corn, maybe nuts or peanuts, um, maybe shellfish, maybe citrus, depending. So, so we might recommend a particular elimination diet for a person or just start with gluten and dairy and see how they go. And then maybe do a functional test, a functional food sensitivity test looking for um, IgG or IgA food sensitivities. And that kind of just helps you identify, okay, if they've developed leaky gut and developed uh, additional food sensitivities that they should take out for a period of at least three to four months, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And that just helps to radically reduce inflammation in the body um, so that you can start beginning the gut work repair because it's very difficult to repair the gut lining when you're putting things in that are continuously, you know, causing intestinal permeability. Yeah. 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 It's like you're always playing catch up in a way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's quite individual. So everybody that comes to me, it generally is a, it's basic gluten and dairy first. And then um, we see how they go and we might discuss testing further down the line, depending on how their progress looks. Right. So, and it's, I love that because it, you know, you're almost get doing a little, you're doing a test with the body and saying, you know, okay, I'm going to take this out. How do you respond? And you know, then I'm going to try something else. And, and what are your thoughts on that? And I feel like exactly. that yeah. is such a beautiful way to help establish better communication with our bodies. Because I think mm -hmm. so often when we have chronic issues, it, it takes, if, if we're not in touch with our bodies and we aren't listening to the signals that it's giving us, it is very easy to brush things under the rug when they're teeny tiny symptoms that we 
barely recognize and then you know things build and fester and grow over time and then we finally notice when it's the big stuff and it is chronic disease and it is intense discomfort and so when we have kind of separated ourselves from our bodies for so long to the point where it does become a chronic thing I think it's just so important to be reestablishing that connection with our bodies and trusting trusting our gut wisdom which you know is is a perfect um example of of what it is that you're doing especially because there is so much connection with the gut and you know when we can reestablish that and trust that our bodies are giving us these signals and these cues as to what it needs and what it should not have that I feel like can then lead to so much more intuitive eating, which I know is something that I love working with my clients on. And we have to have other things in place and established first before we kind of go to that next level, which would be more intuitive eating. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. And what you said is is key is, is we need to be listening to our bodies. And I think so many of us are just rushing around doing things without pausing to actually check in with ourselves, right? And whether it is food um, that we need to be seeing how our bodies feel after a certain meal or just in certain situations or people, for instance, people that um, may not be necessarily uh, conducive to our health in certain Mm. ways. So yes, just checking in with our feelings in general, emotions as well as as body feelings, um, always and all the times, and and having a strong connection to ourselves is is the very key skill that a lot of my clients do develop over the time working with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we talked a little bit about you know, or we talked a great deal, in fact, about. The nutritional component of functional medicine and and I'm intrigued to learn more about the relationship part because you know there's obviously so many different things in our environment that can cause health or disease and you know in terms of like having people or work or, or different other elements you know outside of what we're putting in our bodies um, you know what are your thoughts around that because I, I know I always talk to my clients about the you know, when it comes to the concept of diet, not like, you know, South Beach diet kind of thing, but like diet in terms of what you're putting into your body. I always tell my clients that diet is not just about what you're eating. It's about what you're watching and all the other, you know, stimuli that you're taking in and interactions that you're having is all part of your diet. And so what, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, um, absolutely. (laughs) So that when I, I'm looking at gaps for clients as well. So maybe we've worked on nutrition um, and we're looking for, okay, what is the next step um, for you, for this particular person? I often get them to fill out what I call a life wheel. And, you know, that this will just show different aspects of their life, whether it's their spiritual health or relationship health um financial um concerns as well so many different aspects of that particular person's life are are they leading um are they doing work that brings them joy you know these are all the kinds of questions that we need to be exploring because we don't know for this particular person 
what might be dragging them down, right? And and that's why it's it's key to help them explore those areas, um, to help them uncover and peel back the layers on their healing journey. Um, I had a recent conversation with a lady um, because I support um, a group of people that suffer from the same thing I suffered from, which is chronic urticaria, and. Um, I, I did a little mini masterclass explaining the functional medicine uh, medicine approach to reversing um, hives. And then at the end had some time for questions and answers. And she said, you know, I actually don't think diet's the, the thing. I've been eating a really healthy diet for a long time. So I asked her, so when did the hive start? She said, you know, when I was seven. And I said, how old are you now? She said, I'm 57. I said, wow, that's a long time to be suffering with the hives. And she said, yes, they disappeared for a short while, but they came back, you know, fairly recently. Um, so, I, you know, I mentioned the timeline. I said to her, whenever I hear somebody like very clearly say they started at this particular age, I have to ask what happened at that time in your life? And she paused and she said, well, you know, it was the time when my mom um, moved in with a new man and um he always made me so fearful and I moved away from my grandmother who was really supportive of me. And so she described the situation where as a seven year old, she was really in a bad space where she was afraid and didn't have anyone to talk to and didn't feel heard. And, and that's when her hive started mm-hmm. and her just expressing that made her just pause and realize, Oh my gosh, I, I didn't realize that, that that could be the trigger. So I said, well, go and grab a journal and start writing <laughs> and, and explore all of those feelings that you had back then and, um, and see what comes up for you. And I, I sent her a video that I did with a colleague who'd also experienced hives due to emotional um, issues. She had lost her brother and she was feeling really angry about it all and, and her hives would not go away and despite doing everything right until she actually dealt with those emotions. Right. And um, so I, I linked to, to that video and she she missed, she replied back on that post and she said, Well, I've been I've been crying since I realized this. And so um, she's obviously processing and uh, we did connect again and she realized that she's actually an acupuncturist as well. It was quite funny. Um, and she said, you know, I help people with these things and I can't help myself until I maybe realized that this might be the thing. Mm. So yeah, that emotion and thoughts are a big factor that uh, conventional medicine at least is not considering, I would say to a large extent. Yeah. I love that. And I'm curious if, you know, cause obviously I am just in so much alignment with that, you know, and especially when symptoms are coming up seemingly out of nowhere, you know, like obviously if you're eating McDonald's every day and you're having, you know, you're getting constipated or whatever, you know, if sometimes it's very clearly like cause and result, you're eating crappy things and now you're having digestive upset like that. That's something clearer that, you know, is, is easier to, um, know, know where the source is. Right. But Mm -hmm. when it is something like, I'm just getting these hives and I don't know why, and you know, all of that, you know, that's for me as a practitioner, and I'm sure, you know, it's the same for you is, you know, what trying to solve the puzzle, you know, so, and 
you know, I asked that question with my clients all the time. I said, you know, oh, the hive started, you know, five years ago. Okay. What was happening at that time? Because so often there is that emotional component. And when we understand the connection between the emotional and the physical and are able to express that emotion, mm-hmm. most of the time the symptom goes away and, and it just, you know, is such a testament to how amazing the body is. And again, what cues it's giving us. And, you know, if we're, if we're not listening, like we could be, it's going to show up, you know, it's going to, it's, I always say it's like ignoring an emotion that needs to be processed is almost like trying to hold a, you know, one of those blow up beach balls under your body, under the water (laughs) and trying to push it down and like, hope that it doesn't pop back up, but you know, it's filled with air. You're in the water. It's always going to pop back up and trying to push that down consistently is going to get tiring on your body and it's going to start manifesting in other ways. And, and so I, I love that that's something that, you know, you clearly work with your clients a lot on. And, um, I'm curious because in, in Chinese medicine, we definitely have different organ systems that correlate with different emotions. And so I'm curious if you, have found different, um, different organ systems in the body being affected based on what emotions have been showing up. Is that something that you ever notice? I haven't made those connections, but I do know that, you know, Asian medicine does look at that. I'm interested to know what you, what emotions you connect to which systems usually. In Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just from a five elements of Chinese medicine, you know, we have, um, five elements correlating with five seasons. So the the seasons that we would normally know, um, you know, winter, spring, summer, and fall, but we also have late summer. So that's kind of that really hot, sticky, humid end of summer kind of time. Um, and so those five seasons correlate with the five elements. So water is winter, wood is spring, fire is summer, earth is late summer, and autumn is uh, metal. And so within each of those five, there are different organ systems that are correlated as well and different emotions that are also attached in addition. Um, so for like for the emotion of fear, the kidneys and the bladder are very correlated, uh, Mm -hmm. for the emotion of anger, whether that's a healthy expression, like I'm taking action in my life or whether it's, you know, more of a stagnant pissy (laughs) anger, um, the liver and gallbladder are very involved, um, for joy or sadness, kind of the, the two sides of that coin, um, that would be the heart, the small intestine, the heart protector, and then something else we call the triple energizer, um, which is like your three burners in the center of the abdomen. Um, And then for the emotion of worry, we have the stomach and the spleen. And then for the emotion of grief, we have the large intestine and the lungs. So, you know, you can, that's, Honestly, I want to do a whole a whole other podcast episode about that and just diving into that deeper. Um, but you know, like using the emotion of grief as an example. You know, when when you're grieving and you're crying and you know your your lungs are are working very hard and you you know you can hear that weep in a person's voice because they're 
they're feeling it. Their chest is tight. You know, they're, there's nothing you can do except, you know, allow those waves to ride. And, you know, oftentimes when we are grieving, we have not always, but, you know, sometimes there's trouble letting go of that person or that thing or what have you that you are grieving. And so oftentimes that causes upset intestinally and, you know, there might be constipation or diarrhea or something around a time of grief. So like, that's just, you know, one example, but, um, and obviously there's every, every situation is unique, but just from a general, general standpoint in Chinese medicine, those are the emotions and the organ systems that are co-related to one another. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that because last year, um, sure, we had quite a a hectic uh, COVID time in South Africa with my family and my mom lost her brother to COVID and soon after that she was in ICU with what looked like COVID as well but she tested like eight times negative and um, they she came out of the hospital with the diagnosis of cryptogenic organizing uh, pneumonia which is essentially a pneumonia where we have no no idea where it came from kind of story (laughs) yeah but like now you say grief and the lungs so she obviously her lungs were heavily impacted and she struggles to breathe even now um and you talk about grief she's probably still processing the grief of her brother mm. i wonder if that you know when if she can process that better that she she gets better yeah um, yeah. yeah when the the process of grief you know the the body if like when when something happens like you know, a a sibling or a family member dying, if our bodies felt the entirety of what that grief was, it would, it would usually be too big a shock to the system. And so our body tends to store it and lets it kind of seep out as we're ready. And that's why people kind of think of the waves of grief. They're like, Oh, I think I'm okay. And then something else comes up and I, you know, it upsets me again. And, you know, that's because, you know, you have that initial shock of whatever it is that's happened. And then the body tends to store the rest of it away and, and allow for it to come out in chunks in a way that you can mentally handle, you know, because yeah. the body again is so wise and it knows exactly what we need and how we can process things in different ways. And so, you know, I think for, you know, in that example, um, you know, just allowing when the waves do come up, not trying to push them away, but allowing them to just flow through knowing that you will get to the other side and it will, you know, the waves will settle and and they might, they might come back. They might not, but I think Mm -hmm. oftentimes when we have pathology around related to grief is when we don't want to process it or we're trying to sweep it under the rug. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, it's like the beach ball under the water. It's, it's going yeah. to pop up, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You, you speak about the body being so wise and we, we speak about that always in functional medicine because it does things to protect the body from, so, so I was just thinking of, you know, the heavy metal that we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. 
And that's exactly what the body does. So if the heavy metals come into the body, generally our body is trying to protect us from the exposure to these toxins and starts to store it in fatty tissue. Mm. So um, to you know protect other organs, etc. And um, when it does that, you, you end up getting problems like um, you know in brain tissue because it's such fatty tissue, you get brain issues like Alzheimer's, dementia. Often it's a toxicity issue, um, mm. and that's why we also when we recommend when people are losing weight, and we recommend not to lose weight rapidly. You know, so these huge, fast, rapid weight loss programs um, are really dangerous to the body because when we're losing fat, um, we're releasing these toxins back into circulation. And if we don't bind them and ship them out um, of, of the body and eliminate them, then they, they re-enter the body and retoxify the body. So yeah, there are certain things that we need to be quite careful about as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, I've never heard of it that way before in terms of toxins being stored in the fat and, but I love that. And it's the body doing what it can to protect, you know, what's most important, our vital organs. Mm -hmm. Um, and so how, like for, I don't know if you've had a client like this or not, but if, if you can, I'd love it. If you could speak to it when somebody is losing weight too quickly and that toxicity is being released, how does that show up in the body in terms of symptomatology or diagnosis or what have you? I think it's also very individual. So you mm -hmm. might find there are symptoms of, um, of headaches or any mm -hmm. other, any other symptom that might be related to some form of toxicity. Um, you know, the body might even just express it coming out in the skin as well. Kind of what we call the detox reactions, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it, I think everybody is different and you can't say, you know, if you experience this, then you need to do this. Um, so that's why we generally recommend some binder to try and capture these re-release toxins and have them eliminated through stool or sweat or pee for instance um yeah i can't give a blanket answer for that unfortunately <laughs> yeah no and and i was curious if there was one or not but it obviously makes sense that everyone is individual and is going to respond differently yeah. you know based on their predisposition for all kinds of things and you know what organs are stronger or weaker and all of that. Um, so instead of taking that path, do you recommend, you know, before going down, you know, a path of weight loss, if you're doing it for health reasons or whatever, do you recommend doing a pretty thorough detox of your body and then start to slowly lose weight? Or is there a specific order for how you recommend clients do that? Yeah, well, from the functional medicine perspective as well, we often see that weight loss is one of the last things that the body feels it's able to release, right? So um, we also say when you want to detox, we want you to be de detoxing from a place of strength. And so we really want all of the, the foundational parts to be in place. So a good, clean, anti-inflammatory diet. And, you know, you know weight loss will come naturally by reducing that inflammation. Mm. 
Mm. And a balloon come gradually. It, it's usually not very rapid, right? Um, and then when you're, you have all the foundational aspects in place, that when you do detoxify, and I'm talking, you know, the detoxification is used interchangeably in many different ways and people understand detox in different ways. So when I talk detoxification, usually I'm thinking of actually using supplements and getting at the tissues and trying to pull toxins out, right? That's mm. the, our understanding, which is quite aggressive because then you really are going after certain toxins and trying to pull them out. So to be honest, that's usually what comes right at the end after you've done all of the other foundational work mm-hmm. and that inflammation has, has declined significantly. Whereas mm-hmm. I might also, I mean, there are a lot of people that talk about the as a form of detox because it is. Um, you are taking out foods that are burdening the body, so removing things that are burdening the body is a form of detoxification right because then you're also allowing the body to okay i'm not burdened now i can get to work on helping my liver remove these toxins right because it's not trying to process all of these other things all of this crap food for instance right Mm -hmm. exactly on all the other things so that's natural detoxification i would say yeah yeah i love that and i love how there's so many there are many different ways to go about it, you know, and, and again, connection with your own body and listening to what your body is asking for. And obviously doing something like an elimination diet is a great jumping off point for, for somebody who, you know, doesn't have that relationship with their body yet. And, you know, is just looking for a place to begin. Um, so if somebody, you know, for, for those listeners who are here with us today and, you know, have listened to this conversation and want to just kind of have a place to begin or want to start establishing more of a connection with their bodies and and start tuning into that body wisdom, that gut wisdom, what is, what is a kind of practical tip that you would share with them in order to just start that conversation with their bodies? Yeah, the, the food journal is a great one. So maybe not only just the food journal. So, you know, diarizing what you're having every day, what you're drinking every day as well. And then noticing in the hour, two hours, maybe even three, how you're feeling afterwards, right? So mm-hmm. emotions, as well as physical feelings, as well as maybe what you, your, your bowel movements are looking like. You know, a lot, not a lot of people pay attention to that important mm-hmm. part, right? you know bowel movements is an important discussion that we have in functional medicine because it is such a key indicator of whether things are moving well you know absolutely Um, no i i in in the acupuncture world it's the same thing and so often i think this is just such a beautiful example of how disconnected so many of us are from our bodies is one of the questions that i always ask clients especially in you know the intake is asking about their bowel movements. And, you know, some people are like, oh, I, you know, go blah, blah, blah. And they'll talk about it. No problem. And a lot of people are, they look at me like I'm crazy and they're, or, and, or they like blush and they're like, I don't want to talk about that. Or I have no idea. What do you, what do you mean? How are my bowel movements? You know, like there's just so, so much, you know, that we don't 
talk about in regards to that, because, you know, I think, and it's funny, I was interviewing a sexologist the other day and it was kind of the same thing. Like we kind of put those things away because it's so often it's like, oh, you know, that's, that's private or, oh, I don't want to talk about that. And, and when we can just have an open dialogue, like, yeah, my poop looks like this. It smells like that, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that is just commonplace discussion. It, I think, allows us to be more connected with our bodies, take away any like embarrassment or whatever around that conversation. And, you know, allows us to be more, like I said, when we're more connected to our bodies in that way, and we look down and say, oh my God, this does not look or smell or whatever, like it usually does, something must be up. That's, I feel like when we can tackle those issues sooner rather than later, and, you know, rather than ignoring it and having it become something more chronic. Yeah, absolutely. And the classic answer as well to that question is like, to how how are your bowel movements? normal and and we have to ask what's normal for you right is normal going every three days is normal like having five bowel movements a day (laughs) you know yeah so so in your opinion what what is normal (laughs) well I'd say healthy is is one to three bowel movements I'd say a day of fully formed stool right Mm. um and yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, there's that whole Bristol stool chart um, that, that you can find on the internet as to mm-hmm. where, where you are, where are you a one, two, three, four, five or six um, on the Bristol stools chart. And, you know, we, we like to say you shouldn't be able to see any food in, in, in it. Your poop should rather sink rather than float. It should be of a, you know, a dark, brown color um not a light yellowy color um so yeah color and form and yeah how it moves out of your body did you have to use a lot of blue paper for instance um to clean up that's all an indication so yeah using too much toilet paper is definitely a sign that things are not working as they should be Mm. yeah yeah yeah. i love that and you know that's we, we talk about that too. Like I said, there's so much overlap in what we do. I love it. Um, so, you know, as, as we get ready to close here today, is there anything that, you know, you, that we haven't discussed that you really want the listeners to know, or, you know, where, where they can go to connect with you further to learn more about all of the wonderful things that you do? Oh, yeah. Um, I think for a lot of people is, is starting, um, you know, th- that a lot of people just waiting for the, the best time, the right time to start. And I, and I think there's a, a big part to be said about mindset and wanting to do things perfectly. I don't think we, I think we need to really let go of that idea of doing things perfectly because, you know, progress is messy. And we all just need to get started, no matter what it looks like. And, um, you know, so, so changing our diets is not an easy process or changing our lifestyles or letting go of certain things is not easy. But making the decision is the first step and always asking yourself, why? Why would I want to make, why would I need my health? Why, 
you know um and so th that's like one of the first worksheets i give my clients is to help them stay on this path because the path is not always easy um is to answer the five why questions um you know why is this important to you and then dig deeper why is that important to you and why is that important to you and go down as many levels as you can to really get at to the the deep inner motivation um to stay on this path right because you and i know it's it's ups and downs and it's not always all, all yeah. roses and all successes but uh if you're willing to keep asking the question and keep investigating um, and keep at it, then then you will find the answers that you're looking for. Yeah. 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 Perfect. Well, thank you so yeah, much for all of your expertise welcome. and wisdom today. I know I learned a lot and I'm sure the listeners have as well. Um, and so where where can people connect with you and, and learn learn more, ask questions, start working with you? Where, where are the best places to reach out? So they could go to my website, which I don't spend a lot of time on. <laughs> um, it's www.functionalmedicinecoach.ch for, for um, Switzerland. Or they can find me in Instagram at mireille.wagner or Facebook. Um, Perfect. I and I will include uh, all of that information in the show notes for you guys so you can connect with her further. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you again so much for being on. This has been a wonderful conversation and I just, I love, I love the work that you do and, and I love how aligned it is with, you know, what I do in this world as well. Thank you. Thanks so much for the opportunity to chat to you and, and to the audience it was lovely. Absolutely. And thank you guys so much as always for tuning in. We will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you've heard, it would be everything if you would subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star review. It is my goal to spread as much healing energy and education as possible. And every little bit helps. So thanks again for listening. And until next time, namaste.